Yo, 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 episode number 93 of the It's Just a Game podcast. I am your host, Chris Peel. So I don't do many basketball episodes because I feel like if I do, it's not going to come off as genuine. I could sit here and just BS my way through basketball and basketball and just talk about it and try to talk about it. But it's going to definitely come off like this guy doesn't really care, which I don't as much as I used to. I used to love basketball, but uh, NBA League Pass has done a couple of free trials this year, and I haven't watched one second of it. I just don't care like I used to. So I decided, you know what? I've been watching a little more basketball this year, so I'm going to talk about it, and I'm going to bring my guy Tremel on. You guys may remember him from episode 82, the big Packers fans from the Chief, Cheesehead Talk podcast. We're going to talk about how he became a Detroit Pistons fan. We're going to talk about his favorite player of all time, which the answer may surprise you. It definitely surprised me. We're going to talk about uh, double standards, uh, definitely including Draymond Green's comments and other double standards as well. My own double standards I have about the NBA. So we're going to talk about that and a lot more NBA. So on the other side, let's get to it. Calm down, Kaiba. It's just a game. Uh, The phrase it's just a game is such a weak mindset. The phrase, it's just a game, is such a weak mindset. If anyone ever uses the excuse, it's just a game. Quagmire, it's just a game. Take it easy. But it's just a game. That's right. It's just a game. It's just a game, bro. It's just a what? It's just a game, you know? Welcome to episode number 93. Three of the It's Just a Game podcast. I'm your host, Chris Peel, coming at you with another guest. You might remember him from episode 82, the Packers fan uh, from the Cheesehead Talk podcast. And we're definitely going to get into a little bit of that before we get into our basketball. But welcome, my guy, Tremel, back on the podcast once again. Hello, Tremel. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Chris? I'm good. I'm good, man. So, um, I realized that I've, I really neglect basketball because... Lately, I don't have that same, like, urgency to watch basketball like I used to. Back in the day, I used to watch basketball all the time. But now it's pretty much, if if a football game is on, I'm watching it no matter who is playing. Basketball, I'm just like, eh. I've kind of, I'm not really a casual fan, but I've kind of turned into a, I don't really want to say a, I don't know, like a a little above a casual fan. I still pay attention, but I don't watch it like I used to, and I don't watch it like I should. So I wanted to do this episode and I wanted to get somebody to talk with me as well. So I got Jamel. And so um, before we get started on that, you haven't done an episode about the Packers yet. So I need to get your thoughts about about this, how y'all season ended. So, <laughs> Well, I was going to do an episode on it, but school started. A lot of assignments piled up, uh, mm-hmm. work. It, I just became busy. And when I did get a chance to do it, it was – kind of too late the Super Bowl was approaching and I just yeah. thought it was too late to do it so I never ended up making True. the last episode but I will be back talking Packer football once free agency approaches that'll be in a couple weeks so it won't be too long yeah true that I just definitely wanted to so what do you think went wrong at that game uh honestly we we beat ourselves in that game going into the game we were the favorites I really thought we could we could win the Super Bowl this year. I thought this year was the year. Yeah, I thought so too. And it was just a lot of things. Our superstars didn't didn't play as well as they should have. 
Rodgers, I mean, he was decent, but he came up short in some moments. He missed a couple throws. He had an open lane where he could have ran for a touchdown. Instead, Uh he forced the ball to Adams. And then Devontae Adams, he had that crucial drop, another play where he didn't get both feet down in the end zone. And then Aaron Jones, he didn't show up. Right. He also got hurt, and he had two fumbles in the game. So he hurt us in that game. And then on defense, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, the guys we're paying the biggest money to, they come up absent once again. (laughs) And in the last two NFC Championship games, they've combined for one pressure in the last two NFC NFC Championship games. One pressure. So that's that's the problem right there. Yeah, that's not really going to get it done. I mean, I I agree with that. you know what's funny? Everyone was talking about Aaron Rodgers. Oh, he could have walked into the end zone on that one. I think it was either third or fourth down. And I watched the play. I, I'm telling you, I played it back in slow motion. I watched it play a million times. I'm not so sure that he would have just walked into the end zone. I don't think he would have walked into the end zone, but he definitely would have had a chance. And right. if not, even if he doesn't get it, I mean, he gets stopped a little bit short, and we have a very good chance of converting on fourth down. Yeah, but instead of seeing a fourth and one or fourth and two, it was fourth and nine, and we elected to kick the field goal. So that just changed everything up. Yeah, and another thing that changed everything, which it wasn't the end of the game, but that touchdown to Scotty Miller right before the half, that was a killer right there. So, yeah, that's inexcusable. Yeah, honestly, if I was the general manager, I would have walked down there <laughs> and relieved Mike Pitt of his duties. He should have been gone last year, and. <laughs> And I said it in one of my episodes in the middle of the season. Mike Pettin is is probably going to be the reason why we don't win the Super Bowl. And calling man coverage with six seconds left in the first half on the Hail Mary, that that changed the entire momentum. Instead of going down 14-10, it's 21-10. And right. that, that was a killer. Yeah, that, that definitely was a big, big deal. And, um... Yeah, I mean, it was a good season, and the overreaction started right away because I remember right after the game, you know, like I follow every pretty much every team on Facebook, so I, I like to see how the fans overreact to a loss. And, you know, I see people, oh, this year sucked, and uh, Packers should get uh, – Rodgers should get traded. And I'm thinking, like, it's funny how things are never a problem until, like, a loss. Like, it's like all year it's like, oh, we got the best team, we got this and we got that, but as soon as the loss happened, everything, like the world is just falling apart. So it's it's just crazy to me. But, um, yeah, we're going to skip past that. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I've been waiting for you to do an episode, and you haven't. So, you know, I wanted to get it on this platform. So let's get to what we um initially got on here to talk about, the NBA. So you're a Detroit Pistons fan. Now, how did that happen? Uh, Rip Hamilton. Oh, I like I was, yeah. I was a four-year-old in pre-K. I know – you like wow, four years old. You were watching basketball? Yeah, I was. I was a different breed. I could. Right. I could name a lot of players. Yeah. I remember back in elementary school, my my teacher would always ask me how many points did Steve Nash have last game? How many points did Chauncey Billups have? How many points did LeBron have? And I could name every single stat line because I was just that engaged in the sports yeah. at a very early age. But the reason I became a Piston fan was because of Rip Hamilton because of the mask. I love the mask. <laughs> and and then the number, the number 32. I love the number 32. And I was a Rip Hamilton fan. And once I started watching the Pistons, I began to love Chauncey Billups, Tayshaun Prince, 
Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace. I became a fan the year they won the championship. So the year I became a fan, we actually won the championship. So I wasn't really a bandwagon because we weren't champions yet. Right, right. I joined the year we won. <laughs> but, yeah, Rip Hamilton, he was my favorite player. And since then, I've been a diehard Detroit Pistons fan. Okay, that's dope. I um, I remember Rip Hamilton. I remember that Pistons team very well. And the first game when they got to the finals in 04, you know, everyone was thinking, this team has no chance. Like, they're not going to beat the Lakers. Come on. Shaq, Kobe, Carmelo, and Gary Payton. Like, it's whatever. And they won game one, and I remember thinking, like, hold on. But I remember three years earlier, the Sixers had beaten the Lakers in game one in the finals too, but then the Lakers ended up sweeping the rest of the series. So I just thought, you know, that was the same thing was going to happen. But once they went back to Detroit, Detroit dominated every single game. And I'm thinking, how has this happened? And, like, we've never seen – even when the Lakers lost back then, it was never blowouts. I mean, it'll be a blowout in the regular season game every once in a while, but you never seen no one blow them out three straight games in a row. Like, the Kobe and Shaq – a team that's that good with that firepower, like come on. So, and Ben Wallace, this guy was six nine playing center. He was like the size of a small forward, pretty much playing center, getting steals, getting blocks, getting rebounds. It was crazy to me. Ben Wallace was a, a, a magician. I don't know how he did what he did, but he did it. So, yeah, Dennis Rodman two point right there. Right, and like the crazy thing is that 04 finals, we should have swept the Lakers if it wasn't for Kobe. Yeah. Hitting that game time shot in the fourth quarter <laughs> to send it to OT, we would have swept the Lakers. Yeah, facts. Yeah, because by I mean by game midway through game four, it was pretty evident that the Detroit Pistons were and on paper they weren't a better team, but they just played better as a team. I mean, the Pistons are probably the last team to win a championship without a star player. I mean, because I was... in this, in this day and age, you need not only one, you need two stars in this day and age, but for them to win, I mean, Chauncey Billis was good. And, you know, they had a really solid starting lineup, but they had no no star slash superstar players. So that, that was really impressive that they won back in the day with that team. Exactly. I say the only team in NBA history to win without a star. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, if I, if I really, like, thought about it. And, um, yeah, at least since I've been alive. I mean, when I was started watching basketball, it was the Jordan era. And, you know, Jordan won every – pretty much every year it seemed like. And then it went to the 2000s where it was the Lakers. And if it wasn't the Lakers, it was the Spurs. And then it just – so. But that that is that, – that's very true. Um, So let's talk about this current Detroit Pistons team. Blake Griffin, do you agree with them deciding to sit him while they wait for either a trade partner or if they decide to buy him out? Like, do you agree with the, the decision that they're making right now? I do, because looking at this Pistons team now, we're in rebuild mode. And yeah. when Blake Griffin is on the floor, the offense, it just becomes stagnant. Yeah, He just gets the ball in the paint. He backs defenders down for 10 to 15 seconds, and he just stops <laughs> the flow of the offense. Uh-huh. And then he's not the same player anymore. He's lost all his athleticism. I honestly don't even think he's a starting caliber player anymore. And yeah. he's, he's pretty much taken up minutes of the young guys. Right. And it sucks because I remember Blake Griffin when he was super athletic. And I remember saying this a couple of years ago. Even when he became like a much better player, like a more well rounded player, I remember saying, I miss the old Blake Griffin because every single night you would turn on the TV, you would see him dunking on somebody. And he wasn't even as good of a player as he was a couple of years ago. But 
I just miss that athletic Blake Griffin that was just dunking on dudes every single game. And then, you know, he started developing a, more of a jump shot and a three-point shot. So he became a better player, but it wasn't as exciting to watch as it was back in, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012. So. Yeah, I do miss some of that Blake Griffin, the the athleticism, the, the posterizing. Yeah. I do miss it. I thought he was going to bring that to Detroit and we were going to sell tickets, but that wasn't the case. And once he got to Detroit, his athleticism was gone. But the good thing is he did revive his game. He changed his game up. He got a yeah. jump shot, and he was a better player. Mm-hmm. So you said Blake Griffin was taking away some of the young players' minutes. Who are some of those young players that we should be, you know, looking out for in Detroit? So? Uh, we had four draft picks this year. Three of them came in the first round. And – the minutes that he's taken up, one of the guys is Isaiah Stewart. He plays the four and the five position. He's out of Washington. He was the 16th pick. That was our second pick in the first round of oh. this year's draft. And he's pretty solid. He's a guy who brings energy. He hustles. He rebounds. He'll get you a couple blocks. Kind of reminds me of Ben Wallace a little bit. And oh, he pretty much represents what Detroit is about, hard work and hustle and intensity. And then another guy would be Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay is a wing player out of Villanova, and he's pretty solid. He's pretty much a 3 and D guy. And actually, speaking of Sadiq Bay, he just won Eastern Conference Player of the Week. He's the first rookie to do that since Carl Anthony Towns back in 2016. So we got a couple of good of the young or, players. Or you want Player uh, of the Week or Rookie of the Week? Uh, player of the Week. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the other day he just scored 30 points on Boston. He went seven for seven from the three-point line. Wow, that's yeah, that's impressive. I'm trying to pull up his numbers now. Let me see. Boston. Yeah, he went seven for seven. 30 points, yeah. Okay. 10 for 12 from the field. All right, uh-huh. okay. All right, okay. Cool, cool. Sadiq Bay. And um, I know you guys got a couple of former Sixers over there that's doing anything. Uh, Is Smith. I think he's out though. He he's out for a, a little while. I think I just saw an article that did Ish Smith just get hurt or am I thinking about somebody else? Uh Ish Smith is in Washington, I believe. I oh, think Washington. He, I'm yeah, he's in Washington. Yeah, yeah, I'm tripping. Okay. But yeah, he but used think, to play with Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Um uh Jeremy Grant, that's what I'm thinking of too. Like Jeremy Grant, I don't know what it's like every single year since he's been with us. Yeah, I think he went to Denver after us. And he's just been getting better and better every single year. And now he's just hit another level. And I don't know what clicked in that guy, but he is like – he might be an all-star this year. He could make the all-star team if, if like, people are actually paying attention. So. Yeah, he's having a great season. And I didn't expect that. When we, when we first signed him, he got a three-year, $60 million contract. And I was kind of – scratching my head on it. I didn't complain about it because I know we're in rebuild mode, but I really didn't understand it given the guy who averages 12 points a game, $20 million a year. But he came to Detroit. He took a bet on himself, and he's averaging 24 points a game. And like you said, he's playing at an all-star level this year. He's defending. He's shooting the three well. He's getting to the basket, and he's putting up 20 points consistently he's playing very well this year so he right. proved me wrong this offseason yeah he's good i remember when he was here but he was here during our like our process years so he didn't really get the 
showcase really what he was about because he wasn't really surrounded by a good team. But I remember he could play defense. He could block shots with the best of them. Every single game, he would have at least one block shot. And But he couldn't really shoot, though. But, like, as the as the years went on, I remember thinking, okay, he's getting better and better at shooting free throws. And then he was getting better at, like, shooting, you know, like jump shots, little, you know, mid-range shots. So I kind of knew he was a solid player, but I didn't think he was going to be a 24-per-game uh, guy. I didn't think he was this good. Yeah, I didn't see it coming either, but – Man, congrats to him and kudos to him for betting on himself because it's looking like it's turned out well. And the thing, the story in the offseason was the Pistons not re-signing Christian Wood. All the Pistons fans were so upset. They were so upset that we didn't re-sign Christian Wood. But it's crazy now. Jeremy Grant might win most improved player. He and Christian Wood are in the race for that. They're both having great seasons. Yeah, for sure. You know who the last – game the last game that both four teams played last year before uh the pandemic hit what it was against us it was us two that played each other right yep Uh it was in in philly and christian wood actually scored like 30 in that game i believe and then later that night that okc game got canceled and then that's when everything just shut down but that was the very last game with a full wealth fargo center where it was actually you know felt felt normal and then you know what happened with the rest of the year but then I think Christian Wood got tested positive for coronavirus, I believe, like shortly afterward. But at that time, everyone thought the coronavirus was like way worse. I mean, I know it's bad. A lot of people die from it, but the survival rate is pretty good. But back then, we didn't really know what it was. If you heard you got tested positive for COVID, you were thinking, uh-oh. Like, you were like scared. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, that was our last game. And I'll never forget that because that's when the world went crazy. And when the NBA shut down, it not only shut down the NBA, I mean, baseball shut down, hockey shut down, they shut down everything. I mean, just not having sports for like what was it, four months. We were four months into having no sports. And as a sports fanatic and a sports junkie, that is like the worst thing you can do to a sports fan. Man, oh my goodness. But luckily for me, soccer came back about a month or two before the NBA restarted. So I was okay, but. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, it, it was tough. It was tough yeah. when, when all sports were gone. Right. Because I remember the XFL was on, going on at that time, too. And I remember watching those on Saturdays. And I was thinking, like, wait, dude, XFL was actually pretty dope. I mean, it wasn't like NFL, obviously, but it was, it was pretty, it was pretty entertaining. So, but, you know, that was supposed to hold us over until the NFL came back. But then, you know, everything shut down, and but that's neither here nor there. So you told me that Rip Hamilton was your favorite player back in the day. Who's your favorite player, like, right now? Uh, honestly, I really don't even have a favorite player. I would say since Rip Hamilton retired, I really haven't had a true favorite player. It used to switch up every year. One year it was James Harden. Another year it was KD. And then when Blake Griffin had that amazing year, Two years ago with Detroit, it was Blake Griffin. But I, I really haven't had a consistent favorite player in the NBA since Rip Hamilton retired and left Detroit. Like, <laughs> it's going to sound weird and, like, no disrespect, but, like, it's just so funny that Rip Hamilton is your favorite player. Like, that is like, – <laughs> and I, I know he was a good player. Like, he was solid. And I really love this game. I really – I used to – like, the way he would run around, get open, shoot the mid-range shot, like, just make the defense tired. Like, that was dope, but it just – to hear somebody say that was your favorite player is just like, 
Like, really? Like, okay. Yeah, I don't know what it was, man. I remember <laughs> I wanted the braids like Rip. I wanted to wear a mask yeah. like Rip. I, I wanted to do everything Rip Hamilton did. Right, right. Yeah, it's cool. He's, yeah. I mean, I, I can dig it because, I mean, there's players here and there that I'd be like, wow, I really like that guy. Like, um, John Wall, I really like John Wall. He's one of my favorite players. Um, Back in the day, for some strange reason, Larry Hughes was one of my favorite players. I don't know why I really like Larry Hughes, the way he played. I don't even – I can't even explain it, but maybe because he played for the Sixers at first, so I just, like, grew a liking to him. But, you know, that was one of my guys. I don't even know if you know who Larry Hughes is. Oh, By yeah. the time you were starting to watch, it was like – Oh, yeah, I remember Larry Hughes. I, I'm real familiar with him when he was in Cleveland. And then I remember him when he played oh, in Chicago, yeah. too. I'm real familiar yeah. with Larry Hughes. I love watching him. Yeah, Larry Hughes was dope. I – um. So, trying to think here what I can MVP. I know it's way too early for the MVP, but what are you thinking about the MVP? Or do you have the MVP pick right now? Uh, right now, I will probably lean towards Joel Embiid. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with Joel Embiid for right now. He's he's balling, and one when you talk about the MVP, you're talking about the most valuable player, and when Joel Embiid is not on the floor, when he's not playing in Philly, they're not winning games. I don't think they've won a game yet without him. They probably have, but I know a couple weeks ago, it was a stat where they were 0-5 at the time when Joel, yeah. when Joel Embiid doesn't play. And then when he's on the court, you see what he's doing this year. He's averaging almost 30 points a game. He's averaging mm-hmm. double-digit rebounds. They're the number one seed in the East. You got to give it to him right now. I definitely agree. The only thing I would say would hold him back right now would be not enough games played because it seems like every like four or five games he he's out and it just always seems like he he misses the game every once in a while. So that's the only thing I would say. Maybe at the end of the year, you know, if like Jokic or LeBron or uh, like Steph, if they play like seventy nine, actually no, it's only seventy two games. So you know, if they play like you know sixty eight, sixty nine games. And Joel only plays about like 54, 55 of them. I think that might hurt him in the long run as far as the MVP bone. But I read, I know a lot of players or a lot of fans like care about the MVP. I don't really care as much. I rather get, you know, the, the championship. I'd rather go far in the playoffs than worry about some individual award. And I don't even really like talking about MVPs this early in the year because in any sport, because even in football, I mean, remember after like September. Everyone was talking about, oh, Russell Wilson's MVP, Russell Wilson, and you saw what happened. So I don't really like to talk about it like this early in the season. Yeah, still plenty of basketball left. But if we had to choose right now, I'd go with Embiid for now. But we'll see what the future holds. I think he can maintain it. As long as he stays healthy, I think he'll be fine. Right. I think they had won one game. I think we won once without Embiid. I'm trying to think who it was against. It was – I don't think it was was it Indiana. I don't, I don't know. It was somebody. I think we won. I think it was one game though. If I'm not mistaken, it might be two, but it's at least one though. But at first, it definitely was tough. And um, but you know, it is what it is. So, did you see what Draymond Green said the other day about um, you know, players and the league and owners and all of that? I did. I saw it. Okay. So, do you agree with him, or do you like partially agree with him, or what's like, what's your thoughts on what he was talking about? 
I agree with them. As much as I dislike Draymond Green, I <laughs> <laughs> I had to put the the hatred aside and right, right. And yeah, I listened to him and I agreed. He's one hundred percent correct. Right. So I I agree, but what he's saying is, oh, we need the same respect. We need, you know, like more power or whatever and all that. But I'm thinking like one, I think the players got too much power anyway because people can just force themselves out at any moment and it wasn't like that before and maybe it's just a different time and I get that maybe I'm just an old school person but I think the players got a lot of power already and two like you can't if you're an employee of somebody like you can't walk into your job and say oh I demand the same respect or whatever like like look you can get respect but don't make it seem like I'm supposed to like you work for me I, I don't work for you like I don't I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say, but it's like, I get it, but it's also one of the things where it's like, you're still an employee, so kind of stay in your place, if you know what I mean. I got you, yeah. I could agree with you on that a little bit. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, it's like, like I, I get it, and it, it sucks when, I mean, I've heard stories about, I was looking at my phone, and I was going down Twitter, and I saw, I got traded, and I'm thinking like, what do you mean, or somebody... Walk up to me at a gas station. Oh, yo, you got traded to this team, and they're just—they're shocked. They're thrown off. Like, what do you mean I got traded? I didn't get traded. And then they have to find out through a third party or some random fan on the street that they got traded, and that really sucks. And I get it. So, the one thing you can do if you're going to trade a person is tell them. I don't really like. I don't get mad at it's a business. I get it. I know a couple of years ago, everyone is still so mad at Danny Ainge for what happened to Isaiah Thomas, but I'm telling you right now no matter what the circumstances was, I'm trading Kyrie Irving. I'm trading Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving every single time. And if that makes me a bad person, if that makes me harsh, then so be it. But if I'm trying to put the best basketball team out there, Kyrie Irving is a much better player than Isaiah Thomas is. And I'm going to do that deal 100 times out of 100 times. Absolutely, yeah. I don't blame him for making that trade. Actually, I thought the trade was going to work, but unfortunately it didn't. But, yeah. Kyrie for Isaiah Thomas any day of the week. Kyrie is clearly the better player. Facts. Like, that's the thing that kills me is, and people to this day are still mad about that. Like, oh, they did him so dirty. He played for his his um, his um dead sister. And I'm thinking, like, I, I get that, but I also have a business to run. I can't just keep you and prevent myself from making a trade because you played for your dead sister. And, they, again, if that sounds harsh, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. So. Yeah, and then at the same time, they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they really had no chance, and they were bringing back the same team the next year. So you have to upgrade somehow, mm-hmm. and Kyrie Irving mm-hmm. looked to be that guy. Yeah, thanks. And, um, and like Draymond said, I get it. It's one of the things where, you know, you're a cancer if you ask to get traded or if you decide you, you want to go to a better team. But they can let you go anytime they want. But that's the nature of the business. If I'm your boss, I can do that. I mean, most of the jobs are like that too. It's like, you know, they can pretty, like if you look in most of the handbooks and employee handbooks and stuff, it usually says, you know, we can pretty much let you go at any time. I just think it is, it, especially if it's a star player. If it's a star player, the least you can do is, is warn them, inform them. There'd be a lot of times where I'll hear that they say, oh, I asked them, am I on the trading block? And they'll literally say to my face, no, we're not trading you. And then two days later, they end up getting traded. So I get it from that sense. I, that's the only thing I have a problem with is when they don't tell them. Besides that, 
I don't have a problem with you trading somebody. And I mean, it's what you signed up for. You know, like trades are possible. It's, you know, play out your contract. And then if you want to leave, leave. So I don't get mad at, I don't get mad at either end. I don't get mad at a player uh, leaving when his contract is up. I mean, people crucify LeBron when he left the Cavaliers. He was a free agent. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, I mean, a guy like uh, James Harden or Anthony Davis, and they just want to force themselves out. Do I have a little bit of a problem with it? A little bit, but if it's a toxic situation, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. So if they want to leave and go to a better team, let them. But it also works the other way. If I want to trade you because I can get a better player for you or some better draft picks, then let them then. So I just look at it from both ends. And I, I can see it from both ends, but it is what it is. Yeah, you make a great point with that. So, yeah. I'm kind of leaning towards you now. I see where you're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just like, I don't know. I've felt this way for a long time. And people have said this for a while. I don't know why since Draymond said it, it's like such a big deal. I've heard numerous players say this in the past. But, but um, you know, but like I said this earlier, like the way James Harden went about it wasn't the best way to go about it. I mean, I don't know if he – like, I remember Shannon Sharp saying, I don't know if he was wearing a fat suit or what, but he he went to the Nets and all of a sudden he lost 40 pounds overnight. And I don't know what happened, but you could tell he wasn't trying when he was in Houston. And him saying, oh, we're just not good enough. And him showing up late to, to camp and all that. Like, come on. Like, you want to be traded. You can be traded. But you still got to be a professional about it. Like, come on. Exactly. And even his teammates were saying that he wasn't treating them right. They were like, we didn't do anything to him. I don't know why he was acting like that. So he didn't even give his teammates right. a chance. He didn't give John Wall, Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins. He didn't give any of them a chance. At all, right. Look. And honestly, before the year even started, before James Harden did all this stuff, I really thought the Rockets would probably go to the finals this year because of the addition of Christian Wood. And I thought John Wall would be a much better fit than Russell Westbrook. But I mean, Harden didn't give it a try, so we we would never know. But I might sound crazy. I don't know. <laughs> that was just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, man. It, it's I, I get it. Like I said, I'm a John Wall fan, so I think him and John Wall could have definitely made it work, and for sure. So I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, but who do you think won? I'm glad you meant brought this up. Who do you think won the wet the wall and Westbrook tree? Like, which team do you think actually got the better end of the deal? So, if anyone did, so. I say the Rockets. Even though they haven't been playing well lately, I say the Rockets mm-hmm. because once James Harden left, and once yeah, once James Harden left, the Rockets started to pick it up a little bit. Then John Wall, he yeah. had a he had an injury. He missed a couple of games, but they were playing very well. They had the number one defensive efficiency rating. They were winning games, and then you see Russell Westbrook over there in Washington. Everybody thought they were going to be a playoff team, him and Bradley Beal, a nice (laughs) duo. That's not working out. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, Russ just – I don't know. It's it's looking like he's not the same player anymore. You see games, he's putting up 10 points. Another game, he's putting up 11, 13, 17. He's not scoring the basketball like we're normally used to seeing him. He's still getting close to triple-doubles. But he's yeah. not scoring the basketball like he normally is, and he's still shooting very inefficient. So I got to lean yeah, towards think, the Rockets. Yeah, I agree. I think Russ is shooting like forty-one percent or something from the floor, which is which is crazy. I mean, and 
even a couple of years ago, he just could not shoot anymore. He couldn't shoot free throws no more. He couldn't shoot threes anymore. And I'm thinking, what happened to this guy's jump shot? I mean, he was never a great shooter, but he wasn't as bad as he's been playing the last couple of years. So and I think he's averaging about 19, 9, and 9, which is like you said, it's still getting close to a triple-double. He's getting his, his stats. Like, he's padding his stats. But that just goes to show that all triple-doubles aren't good. I mean, I think people overrate the triple-double way too much now. People, oh, they got a triple-double. I'm like, okay, if you watch the game, and you see uh, there's good triple-doubles and there's bad triple-doubles. I mean, there's efficient ones and there's there's inefficient ones. And I think, you know, a lot of times Jokic will have a good one. You know, Ben Simmons usually has an efficient triple-double. Uh, James Harden usually has the efficient ones. But, you know, sometimes Russell Westbrook, he'll have the good ones. But, I don't know, a lot of times it just be, you know, if he, if he goes six for 21 from the field, and I don't know, like sometimes the stats just be a, a little misleading. So. Yeah, today's game is totally different. Anybody can get a triple-double. And prime example right. is Mason Plumlee. Three days ago, he got a triple-double. So anybody in the <laughs> league can get one today. Thanks, man. It's like this, the scoring these days is out of control. So I don't understand. The, the Suns lost to the – no, not the Suns. The Pelicans beat the Jazz yesterday. Not the Jazz. The Grizzlies, I'm tripping. I, all these teams, okay. The Pelicans beat the Grizzlies yesterday, and the Grizzlies scored 113 points. And usually, you know, back in the day, you score 113, you're probably going to win that game, yeah. you know? But you score 113 and lose by 30 points? Like, what in the world is going on here? So, like, that's crazy to me. Like, yeah, and I'm I'm kind of in agreement with you when you say you're not, you're not a casual fan, but you're not watching the NBA as much as you used to. I still watch the NBA a lot, but it – yeah, I just don't have that same love for it anymore because the game right. is not the same at all. I'm like an old head when it comes to basketball. I love the 2000s basketball. <laughs> this right here, it, yeah. it's not it. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah, it's like I mean, it's good for the highlight reel. It's good for the fantasy numbers. It's good for the stats and the box score. But I can't watch it if every game is going to be 132 to 131. I, I just, especially in regulation. I mean, back in the day. You needed two, three overtimes to get to that score. Now, every team is scoring like crazy numbers. Now it's, it's just it's not fun no more. Like no one plays any defense. Nobody, nobody's playing defense, and it's irritating. It's frustrating to watch sometimes. All right. So, so I'm looking at the standings either yesterday or today, and the Sixers have the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, but on the grand scale of things, they have the fifth best record in the entire league. So is the West just that much better than the East or is it just kind of a fluky year? Yeah. The the West is much better than the East. It's been like that for so long. I don't remember the last time the East was better than the West. It probably hadn't even been like that since I've been born, but yeah, the West is much better than the Eastern conference. It's much more quality teams in the West than it is in the East. In the East is just a handful of teams. You got Philadelphia, you have Brooklyn once they get things together. You have Boston, right. but they're struggling right now. And then after right. that, it's pretty much it in the Eastern Conference. I mean, in Milwaukee. Oh, yeah, and then Milwaukee. I forgot about Milwaukee. Yeah. Maybe Miami if they get things together. But I think last year yeah. they benefited from the bubble. I don't think they're really a championship caliber team in a normal year. Yeah, I agree. I, I think – and it's funny because – I had this discussion last year, like, during the bubble. I said, because people, you know, people will want to discount uh, players like LeBron and the Lakers for winning the chip because, oh, it doesn't count. It's in the bubble. 
Now, for them, I thought, okay, it's a little harder to win in the bubble because, you know, as the number one seed, you get the home court advantage. So you can just – you can fall back on that. You know, no matter who you're playing, it's like, okay, game seven is at home. We're good. It doesn't matter. You couldn't fall back on that, like, during the playoffs. You just – you pretty much had to prove that you were the better team. But in other instances, like, the Heat, I feel like they did benefit from the bubble because, you know, there's no travel, there's no back-to-backs, which, you know, there's never any back-to-backs in the playoffs. I get that. But I don't know. Just the way that their style of play was, just the shooting style, like, no travel. They didn't have to go on the road. And they were just able to beat – they were able to beat uh, Toronto and beat – um. Indiana and beat Milwaukee. The Milwaukee one was really, I'm like, how are the Heat winning this series? So it's just, I think you're right about Miami. I, I think last year was definitely a fluke. Even when they got to the finals, I'm thinking, you know what? They playing with house money. They have nothing to lose. Even if they get swept, no one's going to care because it, it's the Miami Heat. Like, come on. Exactly. And piggybacking off of that Milwaukee series, when they beat Milwaukee, this was a regular year. And Milwaukee has home court advantage. Miami's not coming out alive. They're not. It, it'll go to six. I say Milwaukee wins in six. And maybe Milwaukee gets to the finals. I don't know. Maybe they meet up with Boston in the Eastern Conference and they go to seven. I don't know. I don't know who wins that series. But I don't think Miami beats Milwaukee in a regular year, especially with home court advantage going to Milwaukee. Right, right. I agree. I um, and I, I didn't. Mis- I, I misspoke too. I said they beat uh, Toronto. Toronto. They beat. Yeah, they beat um, Boston. Yeah. You're right. And actually, I was mad about that because I really wanted, you know, for the historical purposes, I wanted a Lakers and the Celtics finals. That would have been a great cap to a bubble year. Like, can you imagine the Lakers and Celtics in the finals again? They played each other in the finals like it felt like 38 times. So it's like it, it would have been dope for that. But exactly, you know, it is and we would have probably gotten a better series too. Right, right, yeah. Like, the Heat, I mean, like, Jimmy, the only two games that won, Jimmy Butler played out of his mind. And for, in order for them to win, Jimmy Butler would have had to do that four times, and he just – he 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 couldn't have did that. Like, you, you're not beating LeBron. The way Anthony Davis was playing last year at that time, like, come on, you, you weren't beating that team. Yeah, they had no chance. Everybody knew that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was one of the things. It was just inevitable. Like, come on. Um, I want to talk about the Utah Jazz. So every once in a while, we get this random team that is like the number one seed or the number two seed. Like we had that with Boston a couple of years ago in the Isaiah Thomas year. Um, trying to, I remember Atlanta Hawks back in 2015. They were the number one seed. But you pretty much knew they're not going to make the finals. And I think the Jazz are that same kind of team. Do you agree with that? Or do you think they actually have a chance to contend for a championship? Uh, I disagree. I think this year they can contend for a championship. Now, they might not be the best team in the Western Conference, and they might not even be the second-best team, but they are up there with the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. I know last year they underachieved in the playoffs, but the reason for that is because, one, they were without one of their best players in Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's a guy who can get you yeah. 20 points. He didn't play in that bubble, and he didn't play in the playoffs last year. Also, Mike uh-huh. Conley was terrible last year. It looked like he was washed up. Yeah. But this year, he's looking like Mike Conley. He's averaging 15 and 6 this year, so he's looking much better. Like I said, Bogdanovich is back. Donovan Mitchell, he continues to get better. He's averaging 24 this year. You already know what you have on the table with Rudy Gobert. He's going to get you. 13 rebounds, and he's going to get you 13 points. So 
Right, you know right. what you're going to get. And like three blocks a Exactly, game. and three blocks a game. He's going to give you that defensive presence. And then Jordan Clarkson, mm-hmm. this year he might win sixth man of the year. Oh, he's God. playing out of his mind. So I think the Utah Jazz yeah, he are just for killed, real. He just killed the steal. Yeah, he just killed us the other day, too. He dropped 40 on us. I was man, so mad. Yeah, I watched that game. Ben Simmons looked good in that game. He put up 42. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? I was – I ain't even going front. I was really – I was mad that we lost our third game in a row. But I'm like, this is the Ben Simmons that I need to see right here. Like, like just like – like, play like – like obviously, you don't have to score 40 points every single night. But just be that aggressive. Come out aggressive. And I say this all the time. People, if they listen to this, this show, they probably hear the – they probably tired of hearing me say this. I don't get as mad about the non-shooting. I just get mad at him not being aggressive. Attack the basket. Like, do a hook shot. Do a floater. Give me that. I don't need you to be like Steph Curry. I don't need you to be at mid-range. I don't need you to be Rip Hamilton. You know, like, I just need you to be aggressive. Get to the paint. Do what you do best. Shaq was one of the best players of all time. Never shot a jump shot in his life. So, like, that's what I need Ben Simmons to do. Exactly. But I wish he would shoot the ball. Now, we have at my school at Texas Southern, our head coach, he used to be an assistant coach at LSU, and he coached Ben Simmons. And he told me that Ooh. Ben Simmons can actually shoot the basketball. He can shoot the three, and he can shoot the mid-range, yeah. but he just won't take shots. I don't know why. He's just so timid. I guess yeah. he's not confident enough. But from what I've been told, he was yeah. able to shoot the ball when he was at LSU at practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen numerous practices here where he shot the ball or whatever. I- I've seen it. And it is a mental block. He's just, I don't know if he's nervous. I don't know if it's one of them things where he's hes light-skinned. Maybe he doesn't want to get embarrassed. I, I don't know. Because it's a lot of times where he'll get the ball, he'll be wide open, and you, he, he won't even look up at the basket. I just think he's just so just timid about it. He's just, like, so nervous. that He doesn't have the confidence in it to do it in a game. It's definitely one of the things that I know from playing basketball. I mean, like, I ain't play organized, but, you know, I played around the way. It's one of the things where when you're out there in the gym by yourself, you you feeling all the confidence in the world, but once that game is starting, you you playing a five on five. It's that rim looks a lot smaller. So, so I was saying, so do we actually trust the Clippers this time around, or do we think it's the same story as last year in the in the bubble? So, I think I trust the Clippers this year. I really want to see them go against the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm mad right. that they lost to the Denver Nuggets last year, and we missed out on that L.A. matchup in the Western Conference Finals. Same, but, yo, same. Like, Yeah, I, I think they'll be focused this year, but one thing I would love to see for them do in free agency – well, not free agency, but during the trade deadline, mm-hmm. I would love to see them get a point guard. They got to upgrade that point guard position. Patrick Beverly, he is not it. I'm sorry. He's not an offensive threat at all unless he's just shooting a wide-open three-point shot. They got to get somebody who can score a little bit, somebody who can facilitate, and somebody who can knock down the three. And a guy, in my opinion, would be probably Ricky Rubio. He can do all three of those things. He can shoot the three a little bit. He's a great facilitator, and he can score the basketball a little bit too. But they don't really need a guy that can score at the point guard position. So I yeah. think he would be a perfect fit. Yeah, like you said, you don't need somebody that can that hasn't scored 30 a game. You just need, like, a threat. Just, like, more of a threat than Patrick Beverly because – and it's funny that you say that with Ricky Rubio because when Ricky Rubio first came into the league, he couldn't shoot a lick. So the fact that he actually improved his game, improved the shooting a lot, is, is definitely really good because he was a really good passer, but he could not shoot. And I, I, I love that, like, throwback 
pass first point guard. That's why I'm such a big Ben Simmons fan. That's why I like Jason Kidd. I like I used to like Steve Nash. Um, I like Ray John Rondo. I love those kind of point guards. So, so that would definitely be really good. Yeah, I agree. I love those type of point guards too. Like I said, I'm an old head. I miss yeah. the 2000s. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just feel like nowadays the point guard position means scoring 30 points but also getting 10 assists. And I'm just thinking, no, you don't really have to get that. I mean, it's it's okay to have, you know, your, your Kyrie Irvins, like those, like your, your Derrick Rose from back in the day. But like every point guard doesn't have to be that way. Like every team doesn't have to have that point guard. So, exactly. Um, but yeah, I agree with you with the Clippers. I, I really wanted that matchup, and I remember when they were up three and one. I'm thinking I was dancing on the old about to get that matchup, about to get that that Lakers Clippers in the bubble. Let's get it, and they end up choking. Then they lost game five. Then they lost game six. I'm thinking, okay, they're going to win game seven. Then they lost game seven. So it was just like, come on, like I don't want to watch. Like all due respect, like who wanted to watch the Nuggets? Like really, like come on, like. Exactly. They barely escaped the, the wounded Utah Jazz in the first round. So once once Denver advanced to the conference finals, we all knew yeah. it was the Lakers year. Yeah, <laughs> and it's funny because earlier you talked about um the Jazz and the Nuggets and the only reason the Jazz lost. Another thing you forgot is because Jamal Murphy went crazy in the bubble too, man. And the way he was playing last year in that first round was just insane. So I don't really think nobody could have beat him unless you were going to match him point for point. And Donovan Mitchell was going back at it with him, but Jamal Murray just turned into Kobe Bryant all of a sudden. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And another thing about the Jazz, they really – they don't need Donovan Mitchell to go point for point this year. I think it'll be a little bit different this year with Bogdanovich coming back with yeah. the improved play of Mike Conley, uh-huh. Jordan Clarks. All those guys have stepped up this year. And if they can bring that to the playoffs – Donovan Mitchell won't have to score 35, 40, 50 points in the playoffs. Right. He can just play his game and put up his normal 24 to 25 points. Yeah. It's funny because I saw that um the 24 was his career high, and I thought he averaged more than that, like, like either last year or the year before. I I didn't realize 24 was his career high. That, that really threw me off. So. Yeah, when he came in, I believe he was averaging like 18. And then he was taking baby steps year by year. Yeah. And then this year, he took a little bit of a leap. Yes, yeah, usually how it goes with the players. And that's why we need to be patient because we're always so quick to, oh, this person sucks. And I just feel like we need, if you look at any star player, most of them usually, you know, they'll average about 15 points a game first year and then about 18 the second year. And then third, fourth year, that's when they go crazy. But I just think nowadays we're so you got to average twenty five points a game like right off the bat. So it's just we need to. I think us as fans we need to calm down sometimes. Exactly, and prime example would be all those Laker guys that were drafted a couple years ago: D'Lo, Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, and it's one more that I can't remember. It's one more I, I can't remember who it was. It's another guy who's playing at a high level, but. Brandon Ingram. Everybody wrote them off. Yeah, Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram. They're all playing at high levels right now. And back then, nobody gave them a shot. Everybody was talking down on them, calling right. them draft busts. Yep. Exactly. And and again, back to the point, we call Lonzo Ball a bust too, but I think Lonzo Ball is playing really well for what he has to do. I don't – everyone looks at the numbers, and they just think everyone has to – and we want to compare numbers to everybody else. It's like, oh, he's averaging this many assists, or he's not – 
shooting at this percentage or he's not averaging this many points, but he's doing well for what his team needs him to do. Like, I mean, if you look at the games, Lonzo Ball is playing pretty solid. First of all, his shot is way better than it was last year, and he's getting the ball to Zion. If he, like, every game, he gets, like, two or three alley-oop dunks. He gets him three, four easy points every single game. So it's just for what he needs him to do, he's playing well in that role. So. Yeah, the thing with Lonzo, he just has to be more aggressive. He has improved. His jump shot has improved drastically. He's always been a great facilitator. That's never been a problem. Uh-huh. I just think he needs to stop being timid. It's it's similar to what you were saying about Ben Simmons. Yeah. Lonzo, he needs to attack that rim, and he needs to just be more aggressive, and I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. So speaking of young players, though, who do you – so it's a two-part question. Same players, though. Who do you think should have won a rookie of the year last year? And who do you think will have the better career when it's all said and done between Zion and John Morant? So. I think John Morant should have won rookie of the year last year, definitely because, one, he played way more games. He played the entire season last year. Uh-huh. And if it wasn't for the the layoff, the three-month layoff that we had, the Grizzlies probably would have made the playoffs because they already had that A seed. If they didn't put that that – that play-in game, then the Grizzlies would have been a playoff team. So I think John Morant should have won rookie of the year. Just the way that he transformed the Memphis Grizzlies, everybody thought they were going to be a a lottery team. Nobody saw that team competing for a playoff spot. And John Morant was a huge part of that. And to answer your second question, I think John Morant will have the better career over Zion Williamson. Zion, he's a great player. Very athletic, but he relies on his athleticism too much. And I think as the years go by, that's going to catch up with him. We see it with Blake Griffin. He's going to have to change his game up if he if he's going to be a star player in this league for many, many years. And Blake Griffin was able to change his game up a little bit. Yeah. But the injuries caught up with him. So Zion, he's going to have to get a jump shot. He's going to have to shoot the three better. Uh-huh. And he's going to have to rely less on that athleticism. But I think John Morant will have a better career, one, because he's a point guard, and it's a point guard league now. Yeah, So true. he'll benefit from that. And he's the franchise player. He's the best player on his team. So I think John Morant will be – will have the better career. Okay, I can see that. I can, I can see that. So I'll agree that he should have won rookie of the year last year only because of the coronavirus. I'm telling you right now. If it wasn't for COVID, Zion Williamson was going to win that rookie of the year. Only because, you know, it's the difference between averaging like 19.8, 19.9 points. And then once you get to like 20.1 points, it's a difference. When you get to that 20-point mark, it is hard to go against that. And that's what Zion Williamson was at. And I think John Morant was like right under it. And if he would have played, and I was doing the math like last year, and if they would have played, you know, the whole season, you know, I think Zion Williamson would have played just enough games to qualify to win that rookie of the year. I just think COVID-19 really, really messed that up. But um, And then with the second part, I I can see what you're saying. It's a point guard league, you know, and Zion relies way too much on his athleticism. But I, I can't go against Zion. I really love watching Zion. So maybe it's just the biasness and maybe, maybe because I'm such a fan of him. And he's just much more exciting to watch. Maybe I'm using that because he's more exciting to watch to me than John Moran. So, I mean, you might be right, but I just think Zion 
is going to have the better career because, again, he's just more exciting and he gets easier baskets. I mean, like you can't you can't defend that when he's getting, you know, 12, 14 points just off an easy, easy basket. So you're getting a guaranteed 12 to 14 points a night. So, you know, and then once he develops a better jump shot, it's a wrap. I mean, he might be, he might be averaging 28, 30 points a game. Too. That's true. If he can get that jump shot down, then he'll definitely change my mind. Like I said, Blake Griffin was able to do it. Yeah. But it, it was a little bit too late that he was already barraged with injuries. But if Zion can do that before the injuries come, yeah, he's he's going to be a 30-point guy. Yeah, I can dig it. Yeah, yeah. Um, So before I let you go, two two questions. What teams in the league do you think – are pretty much championship or bust this year. Uh, you have in the Western Conference, you have the Los Angeles Lakers, uh-huh. the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh-huh. Uh, who else do you have over there in the West? You have, I would say those two teams are the championship or bust. Yeah, I, about to say, I don't think it's nobody in the West. <laughs> nobody else. Yeah, those two in the West is just the, the two LA teams. In the Eastern Conference, you have the Milwaukee Bucks, of course. They're definitely championship or bust. Yeah. You have the Philadelphia 76ers. You have the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. I think those are the four teams in the East. So I say about six teams in the NBA that are championship or bust. Okay, okay. So the, the Nets are tough, though, because they – I don't know. It's like – it's hard because they don't really got much continuity. It's like they just – first of all, they just made the trade, it seems like. And it seems like every single game, somebody's missing the game. It's, I mean, yesterday you got uh, Kevin Durant was out because of the COVID thing, and then he came back for like a game or two, and now he's out again. And then Kyrie was out yesterday as well. So like James Harden has been the only guy that's been that's been there every single night, which is ironic because he was the guy that was disappearing for the, the Houston Rockets. So it's just it's just funny when you think about it. But um, I mean, I guess I could agree with that because with that kind of talent, you don't really got much time, and these guys are. I don't want to say they're entering the twilight of their career, but they're all in their prime right now. So, I mean, yeah, I would say they're still in their prime. So, especially Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is probably the second best. He might be the best player in the league. He might be better than LeBron, honestly. Yeah, that's tough. That's a that's yeah. a tough debate. I probably lean towards LeBron a little bit, but yeah, KD is definitely in that conversation, and he hasn't lost a step. Hey, I mean, I, I just hope Brooklyn don't win too much because I kind of want to keep that one seed and I want to keep that, you know, that division lead. So I hope they kind of slow down a little bit, but, you know, whatever. But uh, Milwaukee has been kind of struggling this year so far. They haven't been winning like they were the last two years, but maybe maybe they'll do the opposite. The last two years they've had the best record in the league and they end up losing in the playoffs. Maybe this year they won't have the best record in the league and they'll actually, you know, get hot in the playoffs. So we'll see. So. Yeah, they – They've been bothered with some injuries as well. Drew Holiday with the COVID situation, he's missed like the last five, four yeah. or five games, and they've lost their last three games. So they're missing him a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that plays a factor. And then the way they started the season wasn't good either. But, right. yeah, maybe they'll get it together. I don't know. I I lost faith in the Bucks after <laughs> last season. So I'm not going to even I'm not gonna even speak highly on the Bucks anymore because <laughs> I'm going to – Gonna be wrong, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, the one team I will say that could be like a dark horse, which it probably shouldn't be a dark horse because you know, like you just put them on your list, 
the Boston Celtics. And I hate to say that because as a Sixers fan, I hate the Celtics, but they're the four seed right now, and they're only a game over 500. But in the playoffs, that's a team I, I would not want to play. I mean, I don't want to go against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like, those two guys could score 30, like, a piece on any given night. So that's a team I would not want to play at all. So. Exactly. And right now, they're just – they're struggling. They're not really playing – playing well. Marcus Smart, he's been out a lot. They miss him a lot. He's a huge factor for Boston. But once they get things going and once the playoffs get here, I don't think it'll be a problem. I think they'll be fine and they'll be competing in the East for that Eastern Conference Championship. Right, right. So my last question real quick. So we're going to go to the Western Conference because I don't think there's anybody in the East that could even come close to answering this question. Who, what team at the West do you think could be, like, the dark horse? Like, outside of the, the top two teams, what team could you be like, okay, if they got to the finals, you would be like, okay, that didn't really surprise me. I mean, I'm looking at, I mean, the Jazz, Portland, Phoenix. I don't really think Phoenix is ready, though, so I'm not really sure about that. And uh, Denver and Golden State, I don't really think so because they're way too young. And Steph is playing at the MVP level, but I, I just don't see them having enough. So I would say out of Utah – Portland, Phoenix, and like Denver, which team would make the finals and you would be like, okay, I, I, I can see how that happens. Uh, honestly, none of them, but if you had to force <laughs> me to pick, I guess I'll go with the Nuggets because they were in the Western Conference Finals last year. Uh-huh. But if, if you would have asked me this before the season started, my answer would have been the Dallas Mavericks. I know, right? Dallas. I thought Dallas would be way better, man. Like, I don't know what's going on over there in Dallas. Everybody talks about the Nets not playing defense, but that's the problem with the Dallas Mavericks over there. And then they're not getting that same type of offensive production that they were getting last year. So I think that's their downfall in 2020-2021. But hopefully they can get some things together and and get back in that playoff race. I'd love to see them back in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I would, too. I mean, when Luka hit that shot last year against the Clippers, that game winner, man, everyone went crazy. And Luka is one of them players that's – he's – what is he in the second year? Third year. Is this third year or is it third year? I, wanna, okay. I think it's his fourth year. Okay. This is third. This is third year. Third year. Third yeah, year. Third. Okay. And, like, so for him to be this young and be this good, I mean, it's, I know he's been a professional player since he was, like, 15, I think. But still, for him to be – putting up these numbers at this level this soon is, like, absolutely insane. And I know eventually we're going to get the, oh, Luka deserves a better team, Luka deserves a better team, but I, I don't know. I feel like it's certain players for me. That's a double standard that I always want to talk about, too. It's a double standard with some players. Like, some players, like LeBron James, if he doesn't win or Kevin Durant doesn't win, it's like, oh, he's not good enough. Oh, he, he's a choke artist. But there's some players where they're so good, but we give them a pass no matter what. It's like everything went wrong except for them. Like Bradley Bill's one of those guys. Luka Doncic is one of those guys. It's If they don't win, it's just like, no, nah, he needs a better team around him. But if somebody like LeBron doesn't win, it's, it's all his fault. Exactly. People have their favorites. They pick and choose who they want to crown and who they don't want to crown and who they want to bash. <laughs> right. Like, it's just, it makes no sense to me. Even somebody like, um, like Devin Booker. Like, and I know he's in the Western conference and it's tough to make the playoffs, but 
the fact that he hasn't even sniffed the playoffs. Well, I mean, last year he got close because of the bubble, and this year they're definitely well on their way to making the playoffs. But it's like we give certain players a pass, and certain players we don't give a pass to. I, I just, I just don't understand this. Exactly, I'm with you on that. Yeah, man, it's just yeah, whatever, man. Like certain <laughs> stuff pisses me off. It really does. I, I just don't. I don't like the double standards. I, I really don't. Like you can't treat one superstar differently than you treat another superstar. So, whatever. Exactly. But um. Yeah, thanks for uh, joining me, bro. I appreciate you hopping on with me. Definitely uh, talk to you soon. And I'll be looking forward to that um, episode from you when you're talking about the Packers with the free agency, even though we know the Packers never signed a high-priced free agent. So probably be somebody on a two-year, $14 million deal. So Yeah, I'm hoping it's J.J. Watt. We cleared up a little bit of cap space. Hopefully it's Watt, but this year is – really not looking too good. We're going to lose a lot of key players in free agency. That's why I really wish we would have won the Super Bowl. That would have eased some of the pain of losing some of these guys. But, ah, man, I'm not going to get my hopes up this free agency. (laughs) True that. I I wouldn't, man. I I really wouldn't. So, I mean, I can probably count on one hand the amount of big-name free agents that the Packers have signed. The last one I could really think that's been, like, really big is, like, Reggie White, and that's that's going way back So. Exactly. I'd probably say Zadarius Smith. I'd say Zadarius Smith was a big signer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I mean, as far as like name, like big names, I mean, you know, they get free agents, you know, you're talking like Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, like Tom Brady, like stuff like that. Uh, like um, Jonathan Joseph years ago, like Nandi Asimov, like, like big, big names like that. I mean, Zadarius Smith was, a, he definitely is a good player, but, you know, like that's not that's not making breaking news on like first take or nothing. <laughs> yes, I, I would say Reggie White then. Yeah. Yep. So, all right, bro. Um, yeah, I appreciate you hopping on. So, I'll I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right, bro. All right.